ECMO episode number two, the three stages for initiation of extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. everyone and welcome to another episode of the ED ECMO podcast. Again, I am Joe Belezzo and I'm sitting here once again with Dr. Zach Shiner. This is a podcast about ECMO, ECPR and how to bring your management of the arresting patient to the next level. Dr. Zach Shiner. Joe, it's good to be here. Another episode. Let's talk about initiating ED ECMO. That sounds good. Let's start this off by uh, by uh, framing this uh, episode in a case. And what better case to use than our very first ECMO case? We use Ralph Berry. Uh, by, by the way, we've been given permission to use his name, likelihood, likeness, <laughs> financial portfolio, uh, and in fact, his uh, being at most of our uh, presentations. Anyway, uh, so uh, Ralph was a 59-year-old male who had arrested in the ambulance on the way to our facility. This was back in 2010, our first case. And <clears throat> this is a guy who had an LAD lesion that uh, uh, resulted in arrest. He arrived to our emergency department in full arrest and uh, CPR in progress. Uh, this is a case that's uh, not going to be any, uh, any sort of stranger to anybody listening to this podcast it's the, probably the most common cause of a cardiac arrest that's going to arrive to your emergency department. And let's uh, walk us through a, a, a classic means of initiating ECMO. So, Zach, if you could tell us, so uh, the patient arrives, we're getting chest compressions going on. Uh, the patient may or may not have received some epinephrine. They may or may not be intubated. We're not going to discuss those aspects of resuscitation during this podcast episode. We want to focus on the initiation of ECMO. So let's just go ahead and assume that all the rest of that stuff's being done masterfully as it was in Ralph's case at Dr. Shiner. Absolutely. So, yeah, so we, the, the caveat here is that we're talking about everything else. Everything else is going well. But the first stage, the first stage of initiating ECMO is putting in some lines, and that does have a little bit to do with your resuscitation. So we've got three stages. First stage is putting in femoral, venous, and arterial lines. And the reason why the... This is important from a resuscitation standpoint is that Joe and I are huge advocates of the art line. What do you think about that, Joe? Yeah, you know, we're going to get into this as well in future episodes. And I think uh, Scott talked about uh, some of this stuff in one of his previous uh, mcrit.org podcast episodes. And I, and as well Zach, we're, we're fans of using an art line for uh, the management of the uh, resuscitation itself, let alone what you're going to do with that line down the road. So we are fans of putting in a big femoral uh, art line and a big femoral vein line, regardless of whether or not you're going to initiate ECMO. And this is even on the peri-arrest patient. Yeah. So the, the patient that's not quite coding yet, that's doing poorly, get that art line in because you can use it. And then once they arrest, we have this whole dilemma of pseudo-PEA versus true PEA. And, uh, you know, the management of that can arguably be different depending on what your blood pressure is. So, um, so just just as a caveat, there we like arterial lines. So we're what we're using is we're using a five French cannula. We're using it the same way that you would do your venous line. So we're using ultrasound guidance. Um, typically, we have had a few kind of back and forth on whether we think ultrasound is better or not better in these art lines because, honestly, it's the hardest part of the whole process of just getting that femoral arterial line in. But very similar, Seldinger technique, over a wire, 
we put this cannula in and now we have an art line into the femoral artery. Let me stop you there for real quick, uh, real quick, Zach. So Zach mentioned something that's really important. If at all possible, you should try to get this art line in while the patient has a pulse still. Once pulses are lost, and we've all experienced this, but no, to no greater degree than we have when we're trying to put ECMO in, is uh, that when the venous and arterial sides, the pressures equilibrate, the arterial, the artery, the femoral artery becomes much smaller in comparison to the vein. And we see this when we're doing ultrasound guidance. And it becomes more and more difficult to access the femoral artery the further you get from the time that the patient loses pulses. So a lot of us, we have the... Um, intuitiveness to know that a patient's looking sick, get the art line in now. As, an, as a caveat to that, sometimes we have patients who lose pulses and then get them back, lose them and get them back. And in those cases, again, when they have a pulse, that's your ideal, that's your, that's your window for obtaining arterial access. Not to say it can't be done once the pulses are lost, but the ideal time is while they still have pulses. So get your art line early. All right, so that's the art line. The venous line is the same line you guys usually use, nine French cordis catheter. Put that in the femoral vein. If you can do it the same side as the art line, great. If not, you got two groins because we like the groin. Oh, real quick, uh, how many doctors are doing this? In a, in a classic case, you know, you're going to have to have, have one doctor managing the code and then another doctor accessing femoral vessels, right, Zach? Yeah, that's the ideal situation. So some of you work in shops where you're the only doc. It still works. But ideally, if you can get somebody else to help you out doing the lines while you're running the code, that's the ideal situation, and, and that's how we tend to do it at our shop. And Zach won't uh, won't uh, pat himself on the back, but he actually had an ECMO case just a couple of days ago that he managed start to finish on his own, doing all aspects of uh, the resuscitation as well as initiation of ECMO. So that just goes to prove that it can absolutely be done, but it's a lot more efficient if you have one doctor running the code while a second doctor is accessing femoral lines. And Zach mentioned this. Uh, ideally, you have both femoral lines accessed on the same same side, but sometimes that simply isn't possible. Uh, and in a shop like ours, where you've got uh, plenty of doctors lingering around, sometimes it's even nice to have a third doc accessing the contralateral side, with one going after the vein and one going after the artery. Because as we all know, uh, return of spontaneous circulation and outcomes are directly related to the time uh, or the t- the length of time. Uh, that the patient has been under arrest. All right. So the two things we've talked about already, kind of intuitive. People have already seen that. You've seen a cordis catheter. You've seen an art line. You know how that works. Now let's talk about something that probably most of you have never seen in real life, and that is dilating up to these large ECMO catheters. We're talking about 17 to 19 French arterial lines. We're talking about 21 French venous lines. These are essentially chest tubes that you're putting into the femoral vein and the femoral artery. So this dilation process seems intuitive, right? Just like you're doing with the cortis, you're dilating up, you're trying to get that vessel enlarged. With these catheters, though, it becomes a little bit trickier because the size that you're going up is bigger, as well as the amount of, of the 
the length that you have to go up is bigger. So you want to be very cautious that you're not getting kinks in your wire, that you're not forcing things because you could easily go retroperitoneal. You go retroperitoneal with a 17 French catheter and it's game over. So you've got to be wary at this stage that you're not injuring the patient, that you are doing things smoothly. Let's talk real, real quick. Let's take a step back. So we call the initiate the, the placement of those initial commercially available cannulas or catheters the what Zach described as the five French in the artery and the nine French in the vein those are commercially available kits you can use any line you need and those are going to merely ultimately be conduits for the placement of a wire under Seldinger technique transitioning up dilating up to the cannulas uh, but that initial placement of those two lines is what we refer to as stage one and we do that so that you conceptually get that going while the resuscitation is going. And once you have a line in the femoral artery, a line in the femoral vein, then you have a necessary stop point. It's a, it's a point where you have to make a decision whether or not you're going to dilate up to the bigger lines that Zach just talked about. And that would be considered the initiation of step two. What we typically do in our department is we have the two docs then uh, discuss whether or not this patient is going to be appropriate to move on to stage two. And usually that comes down to the fact that more information has come in about the patient. We now have more information about what medications they're on, what other medical problems they have, what their pre-arrest neurologic function was, and information from the family. And that can usually be obtained in about the time that it takes for stage one to be completed. So stage one is completed Doctors convene, decide we're gonna, this is a patient who is appropriate for placement on ECMO, at least consideration for it, and then we move on to stage two, and that's exactly what Dr. Shiner just described was upsizing to those huge cannulas. And real quick, let's also remember that these patients at this point have probably already failed ACLS. In Ralph's case, he went uh, about 34 five minutes, if I recall, 40 minutes before we really truly completed stage one and started upsizing to the bigger cannulas. And by that time, in most of our arrests, we've already made the decision that this is a patient who we're going to pronounce. So in this case, we uh, upsize to the cannulas. And Zach did mention that we got to be careful about placing these cannulas. However, again, just remember that truthfully, your alternative here is death of the patient. It's a great point, Joe. It's a great point. So we are talking about failed ACLS. So stage one, basic catheters. Stage two, dilating up to these large cannulas. One thing you want to just think about, and, and after you visualize this, you should go on the website. We have some pictures. The size of the venous catheter is long. It goes all the way up to that ideally into the right atrium okay if you put it in too deep you're going to go right past it into the svc if you go not far enough in you're going to go into the ivc getting the maximum amount of blood out so that you can get that five liters of flow afterward is important and so you kind of have to make a little bit of a judgment call and this is this is with experience that you'll develop this but you'll get a sense for how deep that venous catheter goes in the arterial catheter is short you don't have to worry about that you can hub it Okay, because you're going to be talking about going up the iliac artery and going pushing um, flow retrograde up the aorta. Well, there's one final cannula which is not important in the 
absolute emergency setting but is critically important in, the, in a delayed fashion and that is the cannula that goes down to perfuse the leg. At our facility, we usually allow the cardiologist or interventional radiologist to put that in within a couple hours of us putting them on the pump. Let's just clarify that real quick. So you've got a 17 to 20 French or so arterial cannula in the femoral artery and the problem there is that you're pushing flow, you're pushing blood retrograde up the iliacs uh, and up retrograde through the aorta. So you've got no, potentially no flow to that ipsilateral leg. And so what Zach's referring to here is a uh, anti-grade outflow cannula that comes off of the uh, femoral arterial cannula of ECMO cannula and uh, perfuses the ipsilateral leg. But again, we'll get to that in future episodes uh, so that that's fairly clear to you. One uh, last thing on that point is I will uh, place on the website at edecmo.org slash two. Uh, you'll find uh, some um, some uh, videos that I've placed placing in a model, uh, in a simulation uh, placement of both the uh, regular um, artery and femoral, femoral artery and femoral vein cannulas, as well as the ECMO cannulas, and you'll get an idea of how big these cannulas in are and exactly how they are placed. Okay, so let's go to stage three. So stage three, this is the money maker, right? We're turning on the pump. So after you have both the cannulas in, you now need to cap them off because you do not want to introduce an air embolism. You're going to cap them off with saline. During this whole process, you're going to have your nurses or your perfusionist priming the machine. Depending on what kind of machine you use, that'll be different. And we can, we'll have a different episode that'll talk about the types of machines. But essentially, we're just going to assume that the machine is primed. They're going to hand you two PVC pipes uh, catheter or cannulas that you're going to attach to the catheters that you've placed in the body. These will then now will have a, a circuit that's complete, and at that time they will turn on the machine. Let's just jump back really quick yep. again. Priming of the machine really is nothing more than filling all the filling the entire circuit with a fluid. Right now we use a particular fluid that's very similar to saline. Uh, there is a lot of potential in the future for whether or not we can prime with something that is um, um, beneficial to the brain in terms of an initial fluid that's bolused to the brain. But for now, we're using saline. And then, uh, as Zach was mentioning, when you connect the tubing together, you're going to need to top off the cannula coming from the patient and the tube coming from the machine before you connect the two together. And there'll be, you'll do that exact same process for the vein as well as the artery. And again, I will leave a simulation of that as well as a live video of that on the website. Again, edecmo.org slash two to uh, and, uh, go check that out. And you can uh, see those videos and how that works its way out. Okay, last part of this is we're going to have a whole section on troubleshooting, but let's just talk about ideally how this looks. So once you turn on the machine, you're now going to have your venous cannula that goes all the way up to the right atrium. It's going to be sucking blood out of that right atrium. It's going to go through the machine. It's going to get oxygenated, and it's going to go back into the body through the arterial cannula. So what does the colors look like? The color on the venous side, on the venous cannula, is going to be dark. 
the color on the arterial side is going to be bright red because you went from deoxygenated to oxygenated. And that's one thing that you can know that things are working well. The other idea is that you want to talk about what's the flow. Flow should be about four to five liters, just like the usual body. So if you're not getting those flows, you need to start thinking about what's wrong. We're going to have a complete episode on flow, RPMs, uh, optimization of hemoglobins, optimization of the machine itself. There's going to be a lot of that information at that point. But as a general rule of thumb, uh, as Zach pointed out, those are the parameters we're looking for. And you have the patient up on bypass, uh, one dark red, one bright red in the appropriate cannulas, and you have your patient on complete total cardiopulmonary bypass. Uh, And once again, remember that the flow is retrograde, drawing blood out of the venous cannula from the right atrial inlet, pushing it through the pump, oxygenating it, and pushing it back into the body, retrograde up the aorta. Sound about right? It sounds great. Let's sum this up. There's three stages in the process. We've got a venous line and arterial line. These are things you've done. Put in the cortis, put in a fem line, use it for your resuscitation. Stage two, you're dilating up. You're being gentle. You're making sure you don't kink things and uh, getting these large cannulas in. The final stage, turning on the pump after you cap it off, and there'll be a lot of troubleshooting things with that. Okay, well, uh, Zach, I think that that's going to wrap things up for now. Uh, Let's close out this second episode of the ED ECMO podcast. Uh, This uh, has been a pleasure to bring this to you. If you can leave us any feedback on the website at edecmo.org slash two. Uh, Also, again, send us an email, catch us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, or give us a call. Again, voicemail number 470-ED-ECMO-1. On behalf of Dr. Zach Shiner, Scott Weingart, this has been Joe Belezzo. Thank you for joining us.